about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And we are back. Prepare yourselves, Notre Dame fans, for a action-packed August from the Four Horsemen Podcast. I'm Dylan, joined by P. Wagon and Steve, as always. And today, we've got a special, special guest. We are in the dog days of summer, but that doesn't stop the recruiting machine. With us, host of the Golden Homers podcast, many of you know him on Notre Dame Twitter, Mason Plummer. Welcome, Mason. Yeah, thank you, guys. Yeah, glad to be here. Um, Not a lot going on in terms of football action. You know, camp hasn't started yet, but recruiting never stops, especially with Marcus Freeman at the helm. So exciting time, and it should be an exciting rest of the week for Notre Dame, that's for sure. That sounds good. That sounds good. I'm ready to get into it. I know we've been getting so many requests about uh, podcast-related questions to recruiting and how recruiting's going. We did a little bit last episode, but we got 23-24 coming up. We saved that for today. We wanted to get an expert on recruiting on. Um, So, Mason, we're really happy to join you, or really happy that you joined us, rather, Um, although we would be happy to join you sometime as well. Um, P, I forget the order and how this is happening. What's next? Well... (laughs) I've had a lot of time to think since our last podcast, and I think we need a new segment. So, listeners at home, my three lovely co-hosts do not know what I'm about to say. This segment is called the Hurry Up Offense. In this segment, I'm going to give each person 30 seconds to say whatever they want, whatever's on their mind. We will cut them off at the 30-second mark. It has to be Notre Dame related. That's that's the only rule. Who goes first? I, I think it should be Steve. I am so sick of hearing about all this conference bullshit as if anybody on Twitter is going to have any sort of control over what's going to happen. Yes, I want us to retain our independence, but if we end up having to join something because we have to join something, Jack Swarbick is going to put Notre Dame in the the best position possible to always compete for national championships, and you have to have a belief in that. I do want to honor tradition. We're probably... Who, who knows how it's going to play out? Just enjoy the ride and the process. Also, Ship Sticks is the worst company in the face of the earth. I hate them. 30 seconds. Got five seconds to spare. Perfect. Dylan, uncensored thoughts for 30 seconds in three, two, one, go. I hate Ohio State. I just, I can't, I can't fucking stand them. Their fans are unbearably awful. They act like they're really hot shit, but they've won two titles in 50 years with a million recruiting classes that are fantastic. And they just seem to kind of waste it. I mean, they're not Alabama. They they lost to Michigan last year. You think I'm supposed to be afraid of that? Like, come on, get out of here. Buckeyes are a good program, but I just I can't stand the fan base. They're not a a top historic program either. They've been consistent, but they have eight national championships, I think, at most, and that's not good enough to be in this conversation. And time. Mason. Whatever you want. Plug your podcast. Do what you want. There are no rules in the hurry up offense. And you can swear if you'd like. Two, one, go. 
All right, new podcast episode dropping tomorrow for the Golden Homers. But what's really been on my mind is the people that have no time or have too much time on their hands, rather, to stalk Keon Keeley and his mom's likes on Twitter. That's absurd. There's no reason in God's green earth you need to be stalking somebody's Twitter likes, much less stalking all of their tweets and worrying so much about the decisions of a 17-year-old. I want Keon Keeley and Peyton Bowen in this class just as much as anybody else does. And I, I, for the record, I think they stick with Notre Dame. But there's no reason to be stalking all their likes as if that's going to tell you something. You're not some sort of magician. You, you can't predict the decisions of a 17-year-old. And that was, that was the best one so far. And finally, this will be a quick one, uh, sub-30 seconds. We're in the red zone right now, fellas. <clears throat> we have to update the word track. Please do not tweet, make fake profiles pretending to be, get mad when they choose another school, write weird love letters to, fish for retweets based on unsubstantiated information, or tweet at recruits trying to flip your five-star recruit to another school because it just seems like pretty uh, petty and pedantic. Uh, so overall, don't tweet at recruits and don't do everything else I said. Uh, they're kids. They are kids. Let them make their decisions. And if they choose your school, good for them. Well said. I think that leads us into a recruiting segment, too. Um, this is the craziest business in the world. I don't think it should exist. I think following what children do and where they decide to go to school is creepy. But we all love it because this has become professional sports and this is free agency. So, Mason, you're uh, you're the guy. Uh, we, we stay in tune, but we're not as in tune to you. You mentioned Keon and Peyton. I'll, I want you to kind of start there. How you mentioned that you think they stick with it. Is there a reason for that? Is there a reason Notre Dame fans should be feeling optimistic right now? I think that people get so worried about flips. And understandably, when your guys are visiting schools like Alabama, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, who have clearly leaned into this NIL thing, it's different now. But if you look at past numbers, it's not very common that guys flip, especially when they're committed for so long. If a guy was to flip, he wouldn't stay in a class in this class for so long. And maybe I'm just optimistic but I just don't feel like either of them are going to flip. I think that they're enjoying their recruiting process. Both of them maybe like the attention a little bit, but I think also a lot of it's brought on to them by their family and who are maybe their friends making sure that they think their decision's right for them. And you guys remember being 17 and 18 years old, like your head's just in a tornado constantly, especially when you're a four and five-star athlete that you're trying to make the decision for the rest of your life. This is the most important decision they're going to make, you know what I mean? In terms of the next four or five years of their life is so crucial. So I think ultimately they'll see through, especially with their parents' guidance, ideally that the Notre Dame degree and where Marcus Freeman is taking this program is on a whole different level than what anybody else can do in the country. So I think they're preaching that. And something that we can say for absolute certain is that he's going to work a lot harder, Marcus Freeman, than Brian Kelly on the trail. This isn't going to be a lack of effort. We know that they're hitting them up every single day, making sure that they're solid with Notre Dame. So if if it does end up being that Keon Keeley and or Peyton Bowen flips, it's not going to be because of a lack of effort or, you know, something somebody was lazy on the trail. I think you will have to take solace in that Notre Dame did absolutely everything they could to keep them. And I the fact that we all know that makes me feel a lot better. So uh, just a quick interjection in regards to that. Um two separate points one do you think it's possible or probable that they're kind of letting in these major programs um 
showing quote unquote interests because they don't want their ratings to fall because historically, and maybe this is anecdotal or maybe it's biased, but I feel like every time Notre Dame has a major recruit, we do see that there is a precipitous drop-off. Like Drake Bowen was a five-star uh, when he originally committed. Same with a couple of other guys from the 23 class. Um, so do you think it's guys trying to more so keep their status up? Or, or well, that's, that's question one. And then the second question I had, uh, or more so of a, a point to be made, I have read somewhere, and, and if you could substantiate or, or grant any more insight into, that Peyton Bowen has actually said, he plays Xbox with a bunch of these guys all the time. They're all tight. He loves them. He's he said he's remained committed, but the per, the reason that he's been going out on some uh, a, a different visits and v, being in different camps is because he's actually trying to recruit talent to Notre Dame. So, firstly, uh, well, I'm gonna answer the second one because it's top of mind. Um, what I've heard of, uh, along with what you just mentioned about Peyton Bowen is that a lot of these trips he's going on with his brother. Eli, so who's a stud athlete as well. I don't think he's exactly the quality of Peyton. I think Peyton's a five-star athlete. I think Eli's probably a high four-star, but I mean, still two stud brothers, right? So would I have preferred Peyton be bringing Eli to Notre Dame a bunch? Yeah, but uh, if Eli wants something different, then to, you know you go along on those visits with him. Peyton's been there and done that essentially on the recruiting trail, right? Eli's newer to it. So why wouldn't you want to go with your brother? And maybe he is looking around a little bit. And then remind me of your first question. You're asking a goldfish to remember something, Mason. That's that's a no, no. Move. I was getting off mute. Be nice. Uh, it was more <laughs> so the point is, do you think that these guys are kind of uh, leaving the door open with no intention of going elsewhere, but in order to retain their uh, their high status? Because if Alabama is in the mix with Keon Keeley, you know that they're going to have a he's going to retain his five star status. I think that's part of it. I haven't necessarily thought of it that way. You know, keeping the door open because you want to stay at a high ranking. I know that means a lot to, to some guys more than others. You know, your offensive lineman types don't care at all. They, they would sign the paper the day they commit They're you know, they're ready, but Keon Keeley and Peyton Bowen aren't necessarily that they're a little bit flashy. They like the attention. Obviously, you know, they're kind of fed into it. So keeping up their rating. Yeah. I'm sure that does matter to them. And ultimately who wouldn't want to finish a five-star right top one of the top 32 kids in the country. So I do think that's part of it. And they've seen, to your Drake Bowen comment a minute ago that Drake Bowen doesn't do the camps. He doesn't do all these interviews for other sites, other teams. He doesn't take the visits to other schools and you see him drop because of it, whether those are necessarily exactly correlated. I don't know, but it's a part of it for sure. I mean, Peyton, Bo or I'm sorry, Drake Bowen hasn't played a football game since last year when he committed and he was a five-star and then he drops, you know, nearly 150 spots or whatever it is now. And where do you, where are you seeing, where are we seeing this huge drop? I don't, I don't understand it. He doesn't have this huge body change. Like I understand the drop for Brendan Vernon, right? And not that, not that huge of a drop, but I understand it because he put on a ton of weight. He's a different football player now. And once the film comes out and once he dominates the season, then he'll, he should rise back up. But it is a fact that if you aren't attending camps, if you aren't, you know, real big into the media, you're going to see a little bit of a drop. I'm not sure if the, if the rankings are a factor for these guys in particular, but NIL has become something that matters, that's heightened these rankings even more. Because especially with Entree coming out with this NIL evaluation, where you rank can determine what kind of deals you bring in and how much you're worth. So I, I think that that might be 
people might be cognizant of that, and that could be a, a big factor. And and to Mason's point with with Eli Bowen, Notre Dame has offered him, and I think they view him as a slot corner and one that, from what I understand, they would really like to have. That's not uh, an offer just because you're a brother. It's this is a really good player, and we would like him too. So that that that's big for Notre Dame as well. Also, yeah, no, I agree. He's a he's a legit player, and they want to bring in both of them. Notre Dame has a history of bringing in brothers, and you know my point to that being that I wish. Peyton was taking him up north rather than to all these Texas and Oklahoma schools where money bags are being thrown around. If you're 17 and you're the being recruited by the top programs in the nation, why wouldn't you take every visit possible? Mm-hmm. Like I've seen the hotels they put up Notre Dame players at. You, you, we've all seen the stuff that they do for athletes on campus. Why, why not? Like, I get that people, oh, you should be committed. That whole Brent Venables bullshit. But if you're a 17 year old, take all the trips you can. When else are you going to be able to do that outside of playing football? So I, I have a point on that as well. I don't know if you guys saw me get shredded by Oklahoma fans. I'm not really shredded, but they came after Wonderful. me. Not saying that Brett Venables was, is, was he not like condescending or not condescending? I'm sorry, con- uh, contradicting himself. I don't like him. In that but statement? <laughs> yes, I, I am with you. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of hypocrisy going on right now in college football, especially recruiting. Um, but yeah, Brett Venables is a guy that um, does not rub me the right way at all. Um, I can see why Oklahoma fans like him, but no, <laughs> not for me. He did that with Peyton Bowen on campus. He made that statement. Like, what are you doing? Big time, big time. Um Let's let's get into quarterback recruiting because that has been a mess, and I think we need to address it uh, because it's just hard to follow. So, um, you know, as as everybody knows, we were recruiting Dante Moore. Seems like there was some potential um, silent commit at one point. Some things happened we don't know, and from what we've heard, they're pretty personal, and I don't really feel comfortable sharing that um, without it being like absolutely verified true. So we don't know, but something happened between him and Notre Dame that he no longer was as interested, ends up at Oregon, and now Notre Dame's kind of playing the, the game of musical chairs for a quarterback. They offer Austin Novosad, who has decided to stay with Baylor, his commitment, and they've recently offered Kenny Minchie, who I think is the most criminally underrated player perhaps in the entire class. Um, he's ranked in the 300s, but to me he's a top 100 quarterback. To me he's a top 10 quarterback in this class, easy. Um, cannon for an arm. Mason, where do you think Notre Dame kind of stands with quarterbacks right now? Do they have a shot with Kenny, or is it going to have to be a flip for somebody else, which names I'll, I'll bring up later, or do you think maybe it's a, a target we haven't heard of? Yeah, I I think there's a there's a shot with Minchie. I almost wish that when – I do wish that when the Dante Moore sweepstakes ended that they had offered Minchie first because I think they had a better chance with him anyways. I think that – if Minchie had been offered earlier, right, you know, before Novosad, I think he's a better player than Novosad. But, you know, if this Dante Moore thing hadn't strung out so long, which makes it so much more difficult because you, in a way, you can't blame Notre Dame for putting all their eggs in the Dante Moore basket because it looked so good for so long. And I understand it's frustrating now. Hindsight is twenty twenty, similar to the Will Shipley recruitment where you put everything into it and then it doesn't work out, whatever. But I think if Notre Dame had offered Minchie months ago, he would already be committed. I firmly believe that he has a lot of interest in Notre Dame. And, um, you know, I don't know if you can flip him now, but I did tweet the other day that watching Pat Narduzzi flip out, if Notre Dame is able to flip Kenny Minchie would be an all time moment. 
Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of it's going to be tough to flip Kenny Menchie, but this is a person who plays at uh, a Catholic school in Tennessee, which is two states away, that's literally named after a pope, uh, and he's been to Notre Dame before. I mean, is that not your wheelhouse ideal demographic right there as a local and kid at a Catholic school? Same, oh. Yeah, and, and the same high school as Golden Tate, by the way. Yeah, I yeah, know. Uh, I agree. I just I wonder if they if it's too late, if he already has these relationships established, if he feels like he can go be legit at Pitt, which maybe he can, you know, Kenny Pickett did it. But if, it, if it's me and I, you know, I'm committed to Pitt, don't you see like don't everybody wants a chance at a national championship? right? I'm not going to say Notre Dame's going to win one here in the next three or four years. They have a great chance. They probably within the top five t- uh, programs chances. Right. Pitt's not in the top 50. So do you want a chance or do you just want to be a, you know, a middling ACC team? That's, that's my thoughts. I, I think that's spot on. But, and what's interesting for me is that he's a Tennessee guy. It's not like he's from Pennsylvania or he's from, you know, near West Virginia, close to Pittsburgh. Like this guy is not really a backyard Panther. It's to me, that should be more open to get, but I wanted to ask you about, let's say this doesn't go Notre Dame's way. And, you know, he also decides to stay with Pitt. Where does Notre Dame turn to? And there's some names I want to bring up from the past. Um, you know, we were talking about going all in on Dante Moore. Specifically, that's a reference to Christopher Pazina. But I've been of the position that once Clemson really got involved there, that one was not within Notre Dame's control. Um, the other one is Jackson Arnold, who was big time pro Notre Dame until, you know, Notre Dame wasn't pushing for him. And then he he, he makes an immediate commitment to Oklahoma. Do you see either, Notre Dame go into either of those guys or perhaps another one, Avery Johnson, which was an early offer from Notre Dame, who's committed to Kansas State, whose best friend, Dylan Edwards, has just decommitted and is expected to commit to Notre Dame. So do you think any of those three guys, those names out there, could be in play, or do you think Notre Dame's hope after Minchie might be just somebody else? I think Vizina and Arnold are out, unfortunately, as much as I'd like that to be a reality. I haven't heard anything that would make me think that, you know, Notre Dame reaching out would, would be beneficial. I'm sure Reese still talks to them, just testing the waters. You know, kids do crazy things. But um, Avery Johnson's always been a guy Notre Dame likes a lot. He's a great athlete. But to me, you wonder, you know, they put him on the back burner for so long. And then how do you not feel like you're not a priority until you are and their names. Oh, now we want you. Like, I don't know. That would just, that would rub me the wrong way. If I was him, it's just totally justified. But again, uh, an average program in K state, your best buddy, Dylan Edwards is about to flip to Notre Dame. I mean, what do you want to do? Notre Dame wants you now and you have every, every right in the world to do so. You have a chance to compete. Um, I do wonder though, now that CJ Carr is committed, if guys aren't looking towards the future, seeing he's a stud, you don't want to be that in-between guy. But I don't think Steve Angeli is a world beater, and we're banking on Tyler Buckner to be, you know, two or three years starter. So I, I see, I see Nick's not a, a Steve Angeli. <laughs> it's it's time to bring in the P wagon. <laughs> he, he's, go ahead. Steve Angeli is going to be the best quarterback out of Jersey since Matt Lavecchio. That is my statement. He played with dudes. He's a dude. He will be a dude. It is worth noting, Steve Angeli. You like Angeli. Uh, Like is a very soft word. I love him. Yeah. I mean, it's worth noting that Steve Angeli had a a higher rating coming out of high school than Everett Golson, who was a very highly touted true freshman starter for Notre Dame on a national championship season. So um, 
I'm I'm also pro Steve Angeli and Angeli Angeli never going to get it right until they say it on a broadcast. Fair enough, but I, I'm kind of I'm I'm with Mason there too. You know, it's it, Notre Dame's depth chart right now. I wouldn't be afraid of it. I mean, you do look behind and you have a stud in CJ Carr coming, but look, any top program is going to have guys ahead of you and behind you, right? Ohio State keeps getting guys that makes no sense to me because there's just like eight five star guys at that program right now, but. You know, to your point, too, I, I do understand being slighted by the program. You know, you put me on the back burner and hurt feelings there. I totally get that. and But I understand that more if the programs are close. Like, okay, if you went to Michigan or USC or Ohio State or Georgia, I get that. This is Kansas State. I mean, I, they might be the second biggest program in the state of Kansas that might only have two programs for, for as all as I know. You know, it's like this is Notre Dame. It is the best combination of athletics and academics in the country. You know, it's a exposure, it's development. I mean, Notre Dame doesn't have the best history with quarterbacks, but I mean, the point is you're you're on the stage, right? Scouts are coming to Notre Dame. They're watching us on NBC. It's just different. And I, I can't help but wonder if one of these guys, you know, perhaps Avery, um, perhaps not, would or Minchie, you know, might consider that, you know, this is just too big of a step up to pass down. You know, if Ohio State came calling later, would would they react the same way? And I, my gut feeling is if this was Ohio state right now, they would have flipped one of these kids by now. And I think I I'm optimistic that Notre Dame can flip somebody as well, because at the end of the day, you'd be the quarterback at the university of Notre Dame. Right. I think at this moment, all we're waiting on is Minchie to schedule a visit to Notre Dame. And then we're really going to see the ball rolling there. I think it is likely, but we need to hear what happens on that visit. I think they'll roll out the red carpet for him. I mean, they like him, but, there's a lot of catch up to do. Pitt's been recruiting this guy for a long time. And how can you show him this soon? Hey, you're like our seventh offer of this class, but you know, we like you a lot. We want you to be the guy. So I don't know how he thinks or if he just sees the opportunity to go in there, but I did want to pose a question to you guys about Angeli. So we're all banking on Buckner to be a dude. And then Angeli's kind of sandwiched in. Do you see him beating out Buckner eventually? Do you see him beating out Carr eventually? Mason, <laughs> here's what's going to happen. Stephen Jelly will be there. He might play when we're blowing out certain teams. He'll get garbage time. Drew Pine's going to preserve a year of eligibility. He'll be gone. Buckner's his quarterback, and Jelly will get his four games in. He'll play another year. CJ Carr comes in, the golden child. We've seen it happen before. And Jelly, in my nightmares, will transfer to uh, a middling, let's say, Indiana. And he'll look like Michael Penix Jr. there. He'll be a world beater. He'll win the Big Ten Championship. He'll, he'll be in contention for a high-level bowl game at Indiana. That's what's going to happen. Wow, you've matured so much. I, I still remember posts of Angeli starting three years in a row in the DMs, of course. Um, I, I, I'm with you there, though. I actually think that's that's kind of spot on. Um, I, I can't say he's going to win a major bowl game at Indiana. That's put a lot of, of a lot of pressure Outside on the kids' of the shoulders. Major bowl game, that's what happened to Matt Vecchio. Never forget. <laughs> Angeli is growing on me, to be fair. I didn't think he would look near as good as he did in the in the blue and gold game, and he he looked great. So. Yeah, listen, I, I am I do I have the delusions of uh, Steve Angeli, you know, beating out Tyler Buckner for a job? Absolutely not. And CJ Carr? Absolutely not. I, I mean, Buckner is absolutely incredible. Probably would have been a five star prospect if he had an ACL in high school. But uh, it's 
it's always good to have depth, you know? Uh, Ian Book was a guy that was never projected to start ever, winning his QB in history, and, and obviously, you know, had a, had great teams around him. Uh, but you, sometimes guys pre- get, get their shot and they never look back. So uh, it's just good that we have the depth because I'd rather have them and not need them than need them and not have them. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, let's uh, let's move on to what's left on the board. We, we we teased this a little bit yesterday with the tweet on um, on what we think's out there. So Mason, I'll I'll kind of let you get into it. Um, or you know what, what I'll do is I'll read off the names, and how about you tell me the order in which you feel confident in? Does that work? All right. How many are we? I'll, how many are we rolling with? I'll write them down real quick. I'll, I'll just read off from the tweet. So um, okay, seven I think was was the amount and uh, yeah i'll give you time to prepare um i'm also caught I'm myself off you. guard here perfect you're well you're more professional than i am um oh i have to scroll through 500 tweets this morning thanks guys actually it was me tweeting um we had a war with ohio state today um and can i just <laughs> well, Dylan, while go ahead ready, let me get on a soapbox real quick we're not national media members. We're not Mark May and Lou Holtz on College Football Nightly. We're a fucking podcast with three idiots, two idiots and a Canadian, who just tweet our opinions and they're taking us at our word like we're some national media member, like we have votes in the AP poll or some bullshit. Like, the, to be fair, these, we probably should over some should. of the people who do vote in We've the AP We've been denied poll. media credentials. We don't have media credentials. We have people who follow us. People pay attention to what we're saying, but them, Bama, the whole thing with Barstool a couple years ago, never forget Northwestern game. People take us at our word, and they should. They should, but at the same time, we're we're having fun. We're having fun on Twitter. I post but, a touchdown every day. Some are losses, and these Ohio State fans are acting like I, I just committed a sin against their entire family by saying, "Imagine waking up being a Buckeye fan." They're. I don't get it. I just I don't get it. To be fair, it also drives up engagement for us, which is great. It just gives me an aneurysm and a panic attack seeing 500 notifications when I wake up in the morning. But, you know, uh, all good. I, the DMs are going crazy right now with people tell, calling us idiots. We know we are. We have 81. This is our 81st episode. Of course we're idiots. <laughs> we have 80 episodes of precedent to, 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 dis, to display we're our idiots. propaganda Twitter. Like, we're not, an, we're not affiliated with the university. In fact, I'm pretty sure idiocracy isn't a word, and I just made that up right now it, to show you how movie. stupid. It's a movie. Anyway. It's a Luke Wilson movie from the early aughts. Also, when you say two idiots and a Canadian, does that imply Canadians dumber than an idiot? Or, like, what's what, what's up with that? Yeah, what, what leave that to his imagination. Leave, leave it to his imagination. Like, right, let me, let me project learning. my insecurities there. Perfect. You have more degrees than me and Steve combined, so. Fair. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> not not going to flex on that. That was my uh, eventual uh, hurry-up offense there. Just let us have fun on Twitter. I won't make SAT jokes anymore, and I won't have people imagine something. You My never bad. said ACT. I like I like how we went on a completely different tangent for like two minutes, and I love it. That's everything that this show is in a nutshell. Well, it's called a transition. We were buying you time to find the treat. The, the <laughs> oh, I, I, ha- I, I had it ready like immediately after P-Wagon started talking. But, you know, this is it's it's all good. Hey, Mason, welcome to the behind-the-scenes, pal. <laughs> Oh, but this is going in the show for sure. Oh, like, yeah, no, way, no way we're cutting this. This is the best part of the show, I think. Uh, we're a Twitter account at this point. Let's be honest. 
Um, okay, here here are the top targets, uh, and I'll give you their composite rank. Um, Samuel Mpemba, athlete, uh, ranked 25th. Jeremiah Love, athlete, ranked 66th. Uh, Jade Osberry, linebacker, ranked 105th, and that's criminal. Um, Ronan Hannafin, athlete, ranked 282, also criminal. Um, Kenny Minchie, quarterback, ranked 317, as we've, dis- as we've discussed, criminal ranking. Um, Dylan Edwards, athlete, running back, slot receiver. There's like eight different contradicting narratives out there on what we're recruiting him as. Uh, ranked 324. And then uh, is it Ben Minich? I only had the last name here. I th- off the top of my head, I think it's Ben, right? Correct. Yes, it Ben is, Minich. But I, haven't, I haven't heard if it's Minich, Minich or Minich. I've heard both. Ooh. I'm going to roll with Minich. Okay, itch it is. Uh, safety from Ohio, ranked 563. So those are the the top clear targets that Notre Dame's still going after. Like, there's offers, they're recruiting them. I expect there to be more, no doubt. But from just that seven that are expected that Notre Dame's going after them, what's your level of confidence, and can you, can you, you rank them for me? Yeah, so I'm going to go through each of the names I have written down first with confidence 1 to 10, and then... Um, and speak speak to, to rank the them in terms too. of speak to the confidence. Yeah. Well, you have a full ten minutes here. We we're gonna go take a nap. You know, grab make a sandwich. We'll let you uh, carry the show. Right on. If you could make two sandwiches, that'd be sweet. Um, <laughs> start with Mpemba. Um, I'm gonna give this one a five out of ten. This might be my lowest one looking at the list. Uh, I just don't know what he's gonna do. He's gonna drag on this decision. Um, NIL is a factor. Uh, he seems like a guy that is really intrigued by Miami, Georgia. Uh, I, think, I think I saw a couple of crystal balls go in for Georgia. I mean, how do you compete with what Georgia's been able to do on the defensive line? Um, he was close to committing to Notre Dame for a long time. I really liked what I saw from Mpemba in terms of interest. But I, I'll leave this one at a five, maybe a four. I'm not feeling super optimistic about it. But Notre Dame is in with a shot, and that's all you can ask for. This is big boy recruiting, and him getting on campus for a game, that's, that's all you need. Get yourself right back in the door with him. Jeremiah Love, I'll give this one a seven. I know him wants three backs in this class. Love's a freak athlete, and it's a weird, it's a weird scenario where Love wants Notre Dame, and I'm not sure that his his camp, his parents, friends, family, whatever, wants Notre Dame as much as he does, or nearly at all. And usually that's the opposite, where older, calmer heads prevail. They can see what the Notre Dame degree can do. You're playing football at a high level. Um, it doesn't seem like that's the case here. Um, he wants to be at Notre Dame. I think if it was his, I mean, it is his decision, but if it was solely up to him, he would already be committed and shut his recruitment down. So this one's a little bit strange. I'll still give it a seven because I think, I mean, ultimately you got to respect the kid's decision, but I can't speak for him. Uh, Osbury, I'm going to give that one a 10. Uh, I don't know when this is dropping, but I, I feel really good about, uh, I don't feel really good about Jaden Osbury. So um, Ronan Hannafin. If you asked me two weeks ago, I would have said like a four, but I'm at about a six or six and a half now. Uh, Notre Dame and Clemson race here for Ronan Hannafin. Uh, he seems to be really intrigued by what Clemson is, is building over there with Dabo, which is gross. But um, I, I think he's really intrigued by Notre Dame as well. I believe he goes to a Catholic school, uh, loves what Notre Dame is doing. And uh, I think that he, there's a spot for him to be an early contributor at Notre Dame whether he wants to play receiver or safety. I think he'll be a receiver, but, you know, he could be a Xavier Watts type where he wants to get on the field. So, Minchie, this might be my lowest one. I think I'm going to give this one a four just because he doesn't have a, a visit scheduled yet. If Kenny Minchie, the quarterback of the pit commit, if he schedules a visit, I'll shoot that up to like a seven. 
him, him coming to campus, maybe even an eight, him coming to campus is everything. So we're just waiting on that. And Edwards, give that one a 10. I mean, I, I think Notre Dame, it tells you all you need to know. The offer, decommit, visit, that, I mean, add it up that he's he's coming to Notre Dame. And then Ben Minnick, um, he's one of the three, the three days in a row here, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, I feel really good about Ben Minnick as well. He was a late offer, but Notre Dame always wanted to have three safeties in this class. And that, that's to make up for prior bad recruiting. And I like, I like three safeties in this class. You have to make up numbers somehow. And he's, he's not what you normally think of a third safety in a class. We are just taking a shot on a guy that might not be very good. He has a really high floor. I like what I see in him a lot. And I saw people freak out about the Ben Minnick offer when it came in because they thought that meant Bowen was gone. Kind of poor timing in a way. Bowen's not, I don't think Bowen's going anywhere. Minnick is definitely not going anywhere. He's all in with Notre Dame. We'll give that one a 10 as well. So, uh, you know, overall, pretty optimistic here. And Pemba and Minchie are the ones I'm, you know, big question marks. And then Hannafin's leaning, I think, towards Notre Dame. So, overall, I, I think pretty optimistic. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're spot on there. Uh, we're, we're more, well, we're the propagandist machine over here. So, we're always the ever the optimist. But would you call me crazy for thinking Notre Dame lands all seven? And I can kind of talk talk my reasoning here. I'm not saying it's more likely than not. I know the odds are probably stacked against that, but I really like Notre Dame to kind of run the inside straight here. And the reason I say that is Samuel and Pemba, I think, started off with Notre Dame as his number one. I think we were the early, early leader. And I think he's taking his time and he's seeing the Miamis and the Georgias. And I think that I think Notre Dame is in that top group. I don't think Notre Dame is necessarily the leader. But Notre Dame's going to get the last visit in November for an official against the Clemson, uh, the Clemson game. And part of me just thinks if this goes on till November and he gets to come experience that game with the class already being what it is, I, 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 I can't say Notre Dame has a worse chance than anyone else right now. So I understand your confidence level because nobody knows what he's going to do. But I don't know if I give anybody more confidence than I would Notre Dame. Like, I think we're, we're, we're in that, and I will take my last shot. Um, Love, I'm with you. I, we're kind of expecting that one to shut down in August, so keep an eye on that one, folks. It, it, curious. If it does, I think that's a Notre Dame win. I mean, Alabama's been recruiting him. I imagine there's probably push to maybe look at Alabama more. Michigan's apparently the other team there. I, I, I'm sorry, just not this cycle. Michigan's had a really rough cycle, and I, and I, don't, see, I don't see them beating Notre Dame for him. Um, Osbury with you. Hannafin's been up and down, right? Like at one point it felt like he was a 10 and then it seems all of a sudden Clemson has kind of pulled neck and neck and now he, he skipped on their barbecue day. So, you know, if we're feeling a little better there, he's from Massachusetts. So you'd, you'd hope Notre Dame would, would crush it there. Um, Minchie, I'm with you too. That's all on the visit. Edwards, I think you're spot on again. And then, yeah, Minnick, I, I like, I think that's, I think that's great coming from the propagandist machine over here. So I think that goes to show that, Reality is pretty good right now for Notre Dame. I think it's it if if you land five of those seven, you're you're extremely happy. And the fact that you can land all seven is just is crazy. Uh, and it should be noted that uh, Mike Singer has Edwards, Wingo, 2024 wide receiver, Minich, uh, and Caleb Beasley as over 50% confidence with Emmett Mosley, 2024 athlete, uh, and Peter Jones, 2024 tackle. Uh, over mm -hmm. 50% as well. Hannafin, he's super high at Hannafin, so I'll take that with a grain of salt. He's over 50% confidence. Uh, so look, just looking at that confidence level there, uh, Singer is hitting pretty hot. 
I think he's only missed one, which was Jaden Rashada, uh, potentially, you know, Dante Moore, whatever. Uh, so J- Jason he, Moore as well. And Jason Moore. He, he missed three out of that whole list. Uh, yeah. So I, I would I would trust what Mike Sender has to say there. Uh, and then just yeah. the – oh, go ahead. Yeah, as I worked with Mike for about two years, and he doesn't put in these things without a lot of confidence and multiple sources backing it up. So – uh, during my time at Blue and Gold, you know, he puts a lot of effort and time in everything he does. He's a consummate professional, and there's a reason why his uh, why his percentages are that good. He's not doing it for no reason. I think the uh, the interesting thing uh, that you can look at in terms of Dylan Edwards is that he is very Darren Sproles like. And Mace, I'm not sure if you listened to my other rants that I've had. Uh, I I've likened Tyler Buckner to a Cam Newton of sorts. Uh, he, he's, not, he's not the same height. However, no, 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 no. You have you have to finish that bit. If you're bringing up Cam Newton, you can't leave out no. the bit. That's, Cam Newton won that's a national championship it. and a Heisman with seven students that they pulled out of the the stands before each game. <laughs> but to go off of that, in Tommy Reese's offense, which I think he is going to run without the handcuffs Kelly has put on him, it's going to be very much like what. Uh, Malzahn ran at Auburn, that spread option, spread the field, give him a read option every time. Now you throw Edwards, who has a 4-4 speed, maybe even a 4-3 speed, 4-3-5. Oh, no, lasered, lasered 4-3s. Jesus Christ. Four, so he's 4-3 times. You throw him in the backfield with Tyler Buckner. All right. Ha- have fun trying to make the right decision there. You can run sweeps with him. You, you can run the buck sweep with him. And you can have Buckner as an ever-present threat on the back side. So the defense is going to be wrong each time. So Edwards is probably the most interesting prospect who's committing soon. And you're going to see just in terms of the athletes Notre Dame is going to get, they're not going to go for that traditional Big Ten type of offense, what I think. I think if Reese stays around, which I think he will, until he gets his own head coach offer, uh, it's going to be this very fun style of offense. And uh, recruiting wise, it's going to move towards more of that fun style of uh, of athlete rather than football player. Mason, do you know which position he's being recruited at definitively, or is it still kind of in the air? Because I, I've people were telling us receiver, and watching his tape, I much prefer him at receiver. I don't want three running backs in this class. I think that's kind of ridiculous to take three running backs when a one will do. Um, but but I, I sent these guys, they can attest to this, uh, a DM in the group chat at like midnight saying, watch this Cats film. And I just I, I just sent the huddle film, just the highlights of Edwards. And wow. Like, I thought Love and Bell's uh, return and speed burst was impressive. This kid blows me away. I, I, I'm very impressed with him. How, how do you see him shaping up in Notre Dame's offense? I think that they see the speed and love it. That's what Freeman's all been about at every position, you know, uh, in the secondary receiver, running back, whatever, bring, he wants all the speed and go figure it out later. I think that they're going in with optimism that he can play either position in running back depth has been shaky, but so is receiver. So you bring in a guy that can play both and figure it out. He could be a, th- a better theoretic in my opinion. So I think that, you know, that Dylan Edwards with that kind of speed, he's the guy you can't keep off the field. And I think he has more wiggle and more, you know, make you miss kind of a skill set than Chris Tyree does. So I think he could be potentially a better Chris Tyree. And that's interesting what you said there. 
in the games that were now being dragged for um, the internet uh, that we've lost in the CFP, it's been speed. The gap has been, I don't care what we have with Bayless, best strength coach in the nation by far. You can't teach the certain speed that SEC caliber, national championship caliber offensives have. And, And with that, every game we've lost, including Cincinnati, there was a, a very big mismatch in speed. And once you close that gap, everything else is coming full circle. You can put on strength. Speed is the toughest thing to teach. Devontae Smith and single-handedly. The, right. And you have to have the guys that are fast that are also able to read. Thought I'd throw that in there. Like yeah. a Peyton Bowen who's like brilliant. That guy, that kid, he his closing speed is insane. Now, just to get everybody excited, and I think just to provide a little bit of context in regards to some of the guys that we have been talking about, um, looking at the class calculator as it stands right now, uh, Notre Dame, their best ever class under Brian Kelly was in 2013, and that was a class that finished at 284.77 points on 247 Sports, uh, and that was... And they had an average player of 92.30, which is, that's a damn good class. That's, it was the fifth in the nation. Just to put things into perspective, already in Marcus Freeman's first year, we are at 285.56 points, which is even better. And we are at a 93.31 average, which is even better. Now, in regards to if we were to, just based on the guys that are projected to commit to Notre Dame, such as Jaden Osbury, uh, such as Dylan Edwards, Ben Minnick or Minich, and I even tossed in Ronan Hannifin for fun. Mm-hmm. We would jump up to a 292, which it's going to be hard for us to be beat by any other program. Maybe one or two other programs could potentially beat that. In the event that we add both Jeremiah Love and Samuel and Pemba on top of all those guys, we would be at a 302.79. Yeah, we're going to have to clear 300, I think, to finish number one this year because Alabama's is just a monstrosity again. Um, the big thing is you can beat Alabama by, by having just more commitments. If we, if this staff is willing to take on 28 kids, they could finish number one. I mean, the rankings don't really matter other than perception. But the fact that we're having this conversation, Steve's citing these these numbers for you guys, and Alabama's the only team that can catch Notre Dame at this point, pretty nuts. And I think that goes to show what this staff is capable of. Um, Mason, you cover it more details than us. Do you want to shed your kind of your thoughts on how the staff is recruited? Uh, you can put it in one word, relentless. Just the effort. It's just a, it's a breath of fresh air, really, from the Kelly era. And it's staff up and down that they just don't stop. And it's like a want to, right? You know, you don't take a college coaching job without knowing you have to recruit. And some guys don't like it, which is whatever. I understand you know, trying to make 17, 18 year old kids come to your, come to your school and constantly staying all over them, whatever. But this whole staff loves it. And they just have like a passion for it. It's a want to. And Freeman, it almost seems like, I don't know this for a fact, but it seems like a prerequisite to hiring a a, a coach, whatever position he's like, you have to want to recruit and love it and like put all your time into it. Not all of it, but a ton of time into it. it. They just, they just don't stop. And that's all it took. The Kelly era and all of, you know, not all of the assistants, but a lot of them, they, whether they didn't feel like they had the backing of Brian Kelly, which they didn't in terms of recruiting or whatever it was, but they just 
we're seeing what Notre Dame can be and breaking that glass ceiling on all the excuses that Brian Kelly made. I don't know how you guys feel about him, but all these excuses that Brian Kelly made about recruiting throughout the years that just aren't true now. And we're seeing that. And I don't think that comes to fruition without a guy like Marcus Freeman, that's just so high energy and so passionate. And it's so fun to watch. I'm loving it. Yeah. I mean, there are barriers to recruiting at Notre Dame, but Marcus Freeman is proving to hell with them, right? Like it, yeah, you do have to work harder and whether Notre Dame ends up with the number one class, the number five class, they've, they've been the best recruiting staff in the country, regardless of that, because of how much harder it is at Notre Dame, but they're doing it. And that's what we, and a lot of fans didn't understand with Kelly because we weren't really following recruiting that hard is it was always there. He just didn't put in the work. The staff didn't put in the work and you see them do it now. They haven't won a national championship. How, who are we to be in this conversation with Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State as the top recruiting class when we haven't won a New Year's Six Bowl game in, you know, since 1994 or whatever nonsense we've been getting bombarded with, right? That, that's crazy, and I think that's a testament to, to this coaching staff. And the, the only, I think the only question now is can they coach because the recruiting talent's there, the development's there. I mean, we've been a near uh, – well, I'll say we've been a, a borderline playoff team the last five years. It, it's all shaping up. And I know Steve, if you listen to our entrance song, is very much, if I if Notre Dame doesn't win a championship soon, I'll kill myself. Um, how are you feeling about this, man? How, is this not the most exciting time of your life? Buddy, including I your have had marriage, ch- by the way. Your wedding, your we- I'm including the, the wedding in that. I'm so chubbed up right now with this entire conversation. Like, it's, it's actually not safe for work. Um, I mean, it's... We we've we're getting to the point. Everyone say hi to my wife in the background, by the way. (laughs) Uh, We're getting to the point where we have we kind of closed the gap with last year's class, you know, with Jalen Sneed and and an unbelievable defensive front. And we got some great guys on the offensive line. Tobias Merriweather is is hopefully going to be like the next the Randy Moss that never was in South Bend. Right. So like there's so much there's so much already on campus that has been building for such a long time and is so much talent. And it's just like the guys coming in are going to be so much better than what we already have. And that's not to put down what we already have. What we have is already great. It is a top five program in the country and the guys coming in are only better. If we've talked for years about we have to close this gap, starting with the speed conversation, which obviously is something that's been addressed, starting with the trenches, making sure we're not going to be bullied and push around, and that way we can open up holes against Clemson and against Ohio State, and we can actually run the ball and not have to be you know, one-dimensional. That's what it takes, and it's shutting down the run. Like We did not get run all over by Alabama. I mean, we got passed all over, but that's a different story. It's a, you know the, the game is evolving, but as the game is evolving, look at the p- type of players we're getting in here. Peyton Bowen, you know, people see him as a four-star. He's like a top 15 player in the country. He's incredible. He's still a little bit raw, but like he's he's unbelievable. You know, a, a half the guys that have already committed at one time were like a five-star prospect, but just because of some political BS, you know, they they kind of just, you know, drop. Like Jaden Osbury was number like 24 a couple of months ago, and now he's like 105 or something like that in terms of national ranking. Again, how how do you draw? Are you he's he's still talented. He's still incredible. There's so much talent, even if it's not gonna show up as the number one class. I I genuinely think this is a top two class, and it's not two. I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it for any. What I'll, I'll take Alabama's class with two five star quarterbacks that can't 
coexist together. Like it's like Texas A&M taking 800 defensive line last year. Like that's yeah, not the best exactly. class in the country, it, right? Yeah. You can score as many recruiting points as you want, but you know, two top hundred quarterbacks isn't going to fly. And you saw it with USC. USC brought in two five-star quarterbacks like three years ago and they lost both of them. I think, I think both of them are gone now. Yeah. But off the USC point as well, Notre Dame's not just recruiting the flashy players. And I'm on record of saying stars don't matter. You all hate me for it, but I don't care. Notre Dame's recruiting everyone from the quarterback to the punter. And they're, and you know your punters. I know the specialists love the back of my hand. But USC, yeah, they're a good seven-on-seven team. It's a fucking deal. They're, they're not a team that can win a national championship with the way things are going. Yeah, this As is the most... No, you're you're 100% right. This is the most balanced recruiting class I've ever seen at Notre Dame. It is elite quality at every position except quarterback at the moment. You know, that that's it. I mean, look at the corner position. We've struggled recruiting high high-end corners, and that's something I think Mick Mickens is Mike Mickens is going to get better and better at. But we brought in brought in a lot of quality in the last few years. Look at this current class, right? Christian Gray, if if that 4-4 speed is accurate, holy because you see the size on him. You know, he is a monster of a boundary corner. That's going to be a fantastic, fantastic backfield. Um, you know, anyway, I, I'm going to get really too excited to, about it. But I, I had two things I wanted to, to bring up. One, Mason, I want to ask you about the 24 class just as a whole, without getting into too much details. How are you feeling about it? What are some names our listeners should know? Because in the crazy recruiting world, we're already focusing on 2024, skipping ahead of this class. And the other thing is I wanted to bring up uh, Drake Bowen and CJ Carr, and I'll save that for later because I think it's another discussion that I think signals a new era for Notre Dame, and I'll, I'll explain what I mean. So I'll let you talk about 24 and, and enlighten the audience about uh, what to expect. Yeah, so the names that you mentioned before are the main guys that I'm really looking for at the moment with Emmett Mosley, Scott, and then you're looking at Wingo, too, at a position where Notre Dame needs them badly meaning receiver, two of those guys are receivers, Mosley and Wingo. So those are the guys that you're looking at as if they could pop early and then start to recruit for Notre Dame, that's huge. So looking at the 24 class, I pulling it up here, BDS, Brandon Davis-Wayne, I think is an absolute stud. Um, I think that he's five-star territory. I think Notre Dame has two five-stars committed right now in Carr and Davis-Wayne. Um, and and, just, and just remember – just real quick, I hate to cut you off, but you were talking about Davis yeah. Swain being a near five-star. I want the audience to know that he wasn't a fit at Michigan, so they didn't really want him. Just just got to throw that out there. <laughs> that is literally what's been said about him, a borderline five-star recruit, not a fit at Michigan. Mm, yeah. I'm sure CJ Carr wasn't a, a fit either. Um, Cam Williams, I love the size. He's only going to get bigger. I love the hands. Uh, I'd like to see him get a little bit you know, faster, maybe just in and out of his routes, but I like what I see in him. And then Jack Larson, I mean, tight end you continues. I think he's underrated, um, potentially a little bit undersized. I guess that kind of makes sense, uh, only being 6'3", but he's a just a big receiver, I think, that, can, that loves to block. I mean, what else can you ask for in terms of a tight end? So I'm excited to see his game grow. That's probably out of this group. He's one of the most – I'm a, one of the guys I'm most excited to watch his film this fall because I think he's going to grow a lot. I believe he's more than 212 pounds. I'm hoping he gets to that 6'4", 6'5", range because I think he's a monster. You know, he he's a big – like I said, he's a big receiver at the moment, likes to block, almost like George Kittle-esque. That's who he models his game after. I'm not saying that's who he is, but that's who he models his game after, and that's who he's, you know, he's really trying to be. And then Owen uh, Wafel, Waffle, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but – 
Um, you know, the genetics are there. He's not as big as he's going to be. He's already 6'3", 270. I'm anticipating he'd be about 6'4", 6'5", 300 by the time he hits Notre Dame. I don't know where how Bayless is going to mold him, but I mean, that size at that age is just freakish. And you look at how big his dad is. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but Jesus Christ, massive. <laughs> also, before I get off this tangent real quick, I wanted to show you guys this. Um, I meant to bring it out earlier, but I thought it was appropriate. Um, it's you can't see it's signed by all four of them, but I thought it was cool. That's sick. That's awesome. And for the for the, for the listeners the out. It's yeah, a for photo the signed by all four of us, actually. <laughs> yeah, that that is true. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a sweet four horsemen cool. photo. That's beautiful. Um, that that's very poetic. Kids Notre Dame over here. Oh, it's perfect. The total Notre Dame fan. I love it. I love when people misinterpret it when I when we tweeted this. I didn't mean to slight anybody. I just. When you cover Notre Dame, it's just better when you're a Notre Dame fan because you get it. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm not talking about biased reporting. I just mean, you know, you love this. You know, it's a passion. And you can tell with Mason, with us three, I mean, we don't, you know, we have our own stuff going on and we do this just for fun, right? Um, So uh, we'll wrap this up real quick. I just want to talk about Drake Bowen and CJ Carr because the reason I bring them up is I've never seen this at Notre Dame before. And social media, you know, you see kids recruit. But these two guys are engaging with fans. I, I've never seen that. Like, Drake Bowen and CJ Carr, they like, they like our tweets. They like your tweets. They like other people's tweets. They're involved. And it feels like Notre Dame is starting to, like, harmonize the players, the coaches, the fan base. Like, we're all starting to really feel like a family. I feel like maybe it wasn't before. It was a little disconnected between the fan base and the fans. And, you know, you always get your negative fans who might portray the whole fan base negatively. I feel like we're really starting to enter a new era of the Freeman the Freeman age of we're all on the same page. We're all in this together. And seeing your future leaders like that, like Drake Bowen is Captain Notre Dame for sure. I mean, the way he's, he's out there recruiting – citing Lou Holtz like this guy gets it right he's a total Notre Dame guy CJ Carr going going up to bat for Notre Dame you know talking about the tweet you know we had quoted him from his interview with uh, I think it was blue and gold but it, it could have been one of the other ones about how explaining at Notre Dame you win here you're a legend it's not just another guy at Alabama right we still remember Tony Rice as a god, okay? And Tony Rice was a very good college quarterback, but he was never in the Heisman conversation. He had a very short pro career. But because he was part of that national championship team and because he was a good quarterback, he is he is a legend in Notre Dame forever, right? Brady Quinn has talked about like he's won three Heismans in a row because of how great he was, and he didn't even win a national championship, right? Coming to Notre Dame and being yourself, making your own legacy, I think has more of an impact than going anywhere. And I just wanted to call that out because I've seen it, and I think it's such a great vibe we've got going on and i want to i want to applaud those two guys for it too i mean just representing notre dame the way they do it it makes us proud as fans and i i can't wait to watch them and i'll I'll give the floor to you guys if you have any comments on that i just i really want to get that out there yeah no i love it i think that you know there's a new energy and new optimism around the program that i haven't personally experienced in my lifetime so it's super exciting i've never really been this invested in recruiting, uh, you know, or even so invested as a, as a fan of the team and just, you know, really just looking forward to, you know, every day and the, the news that we're going to get, it's, it's been mainly positive, you know, aside from a couple of recruitments that didn't go Notre Dame's way, but you'll have that. So just really excited for this season to, to just get started. And I'm, I'm really optimistic for the season too. 
Um, you know, I'm on record saying that it's easier to become uh, a better coach than it is to become a better recruiter. And I think that Marcus Freeman knows the X's and O's of football, and he's going to get it figured out. He has the guys to get it figured out. Uh, I think a lot of people are kind of sleeping on Notre Dame. They don't know Marcus Freeman. They just see the tag that says, you know, that he's, you know, first-year head coach, but he's bringing in the right guys, evidence with C.J. Carr and Drake Bowen that are speaking for the program in the right ways. So, yeah, I, the, the fan base, everything's never been as united as it is right now, and it's, it's great. It, it just occurred to me we still have a mailbag to get to. Um, Steve, it looks like you had something to say. Do you want do you want to jump in there before we pull up the questions? Yeah, I mean, I guess just a quick interjection. Um, when's the last time you've gone into a season feeling this good about recruiting? And not even just about what could potentially even be coming down the road, which we've talked about ad nauseum, but even just we have our class basically signed, right? Like this is... This is just like, it's so, I mean, anything can happen. People can flip, people can decommit, things happen. And, and we'll deal with that when, when we get there. But we, we have the number one recruiting class that's practically signed. And maybe we'll, we'll end up top three, top five as we're heading into Labor Day weekend playing in the horseshoe. I mean, this is like the best I've ever felt about Notre Dame football in my 32 years of existence. So and, that's, and how sad is it that other fan bases are trying to gaslight you into feeling um, that you should be worse than ever right now? Well, you I have mean, a head coach did, that's going to fail. You're in their defense, before. in in their defense, we did lose the 1997 Toyota Tundra Bowl uh, to you know I don't know Southwest Northwest I, uh, Idaho Southern State, so and, and we lost that. So you know we obviously the team in 1997 is going to be indicative of the team that is playing 23 years later, whatever that math would be. So it, it's an actually, it's an, a very relevant argument to say that, well, you haven't won anything in 30 years when the same team that just won the national championship no less than seven months ago hadn't won one in 40 years, but we're going to pretend they're more relevant than you because you absolute imbecilic morons on Twitter not talking to our fan base, but all the other ones, especially those absolute mouth breathers from Ohio, thinking like there's a, like, oh, you guys got blown out in a big game. Like you got blinked 31 nothing by T. Lawrence, pal. Like you got f things shoved down your throat to keep it PG. You know, so like, let, at what point is everyone just going to understand that, yeah, okay, we lost in the past? Yeah, don't you think we're acutely fucking aware of that? Like, I was there, pal. I watched it. Uh, we're talking about the here and now where we have a team that just went to a New Year's Six Bowl, didn't end up the way that we wanted to because we had the two best players on our team not on the field, by the way. And, it, I, like, I guess this is an extension of the the the, the quick hitter offense, P, the, the new section, but I don't know. That, it just pissed me off, but I don't know. It, I'm just excited that... Uh, we, I don't have to care about recruiting for the 23 class in the year of 23. I'm all, I'm, we're on to 24 at that at this point, which is pretty much insane. So I, I'm content and I'm happy as a pig and shit. Steve, the only thing you didn't mention was that uh, our star linebacker had a fake girlfriend. Uh, that that hits the full bingo. Yeah, no, of course. I uh, just want to make sure that we got that all out there. Uh, just so everyone's clear. We're B-rabbiting you. We know what you're going to say before you say it. You're pedantic. You're you're punctilious. You're saying the things that everyone knows you're going to say. It it does nothing. 
we're also just a smarter fan base than anyone else. So I guess that, that, that explains it because everybody else that comes into our mentions is so fucking stupid. It's remarkable. Yeah, it's it's not great, but like find a new slant. That, that, that's all I'm going to say there. Yeah, Steve should do voice acting. That was that was impressive. Um, I, oh, yeah, we've been getting this. I mean, I, people use the same arguments and it gets annoying. What drives me crazy is that there's no talking to them. Like you, you explain something and it just it doesn't matter. And for the record, Ohio has a bad reputation in Canada too. Like it's like it's Florida and Ohio is the two states you don't want to go to. So you know what? Screw you guys, okay? It's you suck <laughs> everywhere. Nobody likes you. Like not the even in my country are you like doesn't like you. That's not good. It's uh, the old ad have you heard the uh the thing if you had two billion dollars given to you tax free, but you could never leave the state of Ohio ever again, would you take the money? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking nope. <laughs> I would. I would live in Canton. You're in Canton, eh? Shut up. All right, well, let's take yeah, advantage I, of our our, uh, our very knowledgeable guests and, and all the time that he's given <laughs> to us today. So uh, you know, let, let's uh, let's get Mason back involved and stop with the ranting. So let's let's uh, yeah, let's let's get this thing back on the rails. These points, yeah, this guy's a professional, by the way. The, these points <laughs> do not reflect the opinion of Mason or his employer. Uh, it's just on us, the Four Horsemen Podcast. Also, do not reflect the interests of our employers either. We got a mailbag up here now, fellas. Uh, so I asked this question a couple days ago before everyone hated us. Uh, so I'm just going to run down the list. Some are recruiting, some are not. Quick hitters here. Uh, first, Woj the God says, how much of an impact can Chris Smith have on the defensive line? Chris Smith is a transfer in from Harvard. Uh, he has 29 games to his name. He had 40 tackles in 2021, five for loss, three and a half sacks, and two forced fumbles. Uh, he's had about seven sacks in his career, uh, and it looks like 72 tackles. Chris Smith is a large man who's going to play a very similar role to Kurt Heinisch this year, in my opinion. I am very high on him. What do you all think? I have no thoughts. I've never seen him play. I was muted. <laughs> there is a, I think there's a reason for optimism in the sense that there's more depth. Uh, I think he was taken because K and I went down. I was really high on him. So I think that Chris Smith, he's what Notre Dame needs in terms of a depth piece at the nose tackle or, you know, inside defensive line position, however they decide to line up under Al Golden. So I'm all for it. I think that he's a solid player. I don't think he's anything, you know, otherworldly, but I think he's going to be a nice stopgap. And I think he's he's going to be a, a solid player for Notre Dame. I don't think there's a lot more to say about it. I would agree. Yeah. Just, oh, we only need him for one season. That's his eligibility. He's here as a depth guy. And, and hey, you know what? Maybe he even rises the ranks and we wish them him the best. So we'll see how it plays the, out. The Harvard to Notre Dame pipeline is strong with Notre Dame this year. Two former uh, Harvard Crimson on the team. Uh, shout out John Sott. Uh, coming up here, cynical fan, one, two, three says and i got into a fight with him yeah i can guess his age already if buckner <laughs> is a bust what's the irish real potential without a Q, true qb1 a lot of people have questioned buckner i personally like him but what if what if Let's he's start a with... bust, meaning it's not going to be a year one thing you're not going to know are, are you saying is he going to write him off after notre dame likely loses to ohio state in the shoe is that what we're saying 
what we don't speak in definitives here. So if Notre Dame loses to Ohio State, which won't happen, uh, it seems like it depends on how you define bus. Do you define bus going eleven and one? Do you define bus not going twelve and zero? Do you define bust as would we define bust as uh, Dane Christ? Andrew to be fair, injuries injuries kind of ruined his career. He was. Well, you can go down the list. Nate Montana. If Tyler Buckner lives up to the hype of Nate Montana, are we fucked? That, that's what the I'm rereading rewriting the question. Not if Stephen Jelly's the second coming of God, like you said, right? <laughs> bang bang uh, bang bang. Here here, that was that was well played. Drew Pine isn't it? I promise that. We agree with that. He'll be a great math quarterback. Yeah. I have a very simple answer. Tyler Buckner cannot be a bust because he is a Heisman candidate. Next question. He also came in and won games and kept the Irish in games while Jack Cohn was going through Jack Cohn things in the mid- middle parts of games. He didn't have a senior season. He tore his ACL one year. He's also- had very limited experience, and he's, he's a dude. He, quarterbacks for Notre Dame are usually dudes. That, that's what it comes down to. He, um, look, if you are a sophomore and you have a decent to bad season, like that's not a bust. He's a sophomore. <laughs> he's got, yeah. he's got three years to go. Let's not call him uh, like you can't bust this year as Tyler Buckner. You can only play as a sophomore or play as a CJ Stroud sophomore. Like which, you know what I mean? Like what level of sophomore are you playing at? And I think, the spirit of the question is if Notre Dame, if he doesn't perform maybe like we hope, you know, there is a ceiling to this team, I think. I think you would be in some tough matchups this year, um, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think I really believe in Buckner, and I really have for a long time. I I wouldn't be surprised if he single-handedly beats Ohio State without throwing the ball. Like, I do you guys remember playing against uh, Denard Robinson? I hated it. It was awful. The guy could I had run, forgotten guy, until you brought it up. Thanks, pal. Sorry, but this is where I'm going with Tyler Buckner. I'm not making a direct comp here. I just I can see that stylistically being just a nightmare for Ohio State to deal with. You know what I mean? Even if he, he's not a great thrower, he's going to run the ball. Brandon Wimbush beat Michigan in 2018 with two throws and just running the ball on third down, right? I can see Buckner being very good even if he doesn't take the super Heisman leap. But, you know, that's me being a homer. So just, just going off of that, this is more of an Ohio State point. Some of these questions are dumb, so I'm not going to read them. Um, <laughs> the defensive coordinator, Knowles, for Ohio State, I looked up his history. His last games that he's coached on a first year have been nothing short of terrible. They've been so, worse than the year before he was hired. That's his history. Is He turns defenses around by year three, but year one is usually a mess. I think that's what you're going for, right? No. So he's he's had to play uh, FCS schools in his his first game as a defensive coordinator. Historically, they've been bad teams that he's played. There hasn't been a quality team like the likes of Notre Dame coming in to play against him. And with that, he has to go up against an offense, which is relatively new because Brian Kelly had the reins on that offense. Now you have Tommy Reese. It's unpredictable. I think Jim Knowles is a fine coach. He coached against them in the Fiesta Bowl. But at the same time, I'm not trusting what he is bringing to the table. 
I don't, I think he'll be able to do it eventually at Ohio state. I don't think game one, I think it's a mismatch. Uh, even Ryan day said, you know, we don't know what Al Golden's going to throw at us defensively. So have fun watching tape. You have two, they, they're idiots and they think two quarterback system. They're, they're talking about pine and, and, and Buckner. So like, you know how much tape they have to watch to figure out a game plan. I'm coming from a football coaching perspective where I I've had a game plan against multiple quarterbacks with defenses. We didn't know it's a bitch to do. And I, I don't know really where I was going with that, but there's my statement. The classic, yeah. the classic P wagon rant. Do you get, do you get any other ones for us? Cause we'll try to wrap up here real soon. Yeah. Uh, you have to give up one rivalry forever. The other you get to play yearly, Michigan or USC, and why? I Okay, I saw Benny respond to it that he would take Michigan. And Benny, I love you, but that's crazy. We've been playing without Michigan for like 10 years now. I hate Michigan. They don't deserve to play us. I would love to play them so I can kick their ass every year. But USC-Notre Dame, to me, is the pinnacle rivalry of college football. I don't care about the Iron Bowl. I don't care about that Midwestern 10-year war that resulted in zero national championships. I care about the two programs, Midwest, Pacific. You've got the glams of L.A. You've got the the blue-collar nature of Notre Dame. It's arguably the two most storied programs. Uh, I'm taking USC. That's not even a debate for me. What about you guys? I agree. Uh, Michigan's relevant. Mason. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's tough for me. It's hard to get rid of Michigan because of the proximity where I used to live in South Bend, so there's still a good amount of Michigan fans everywhere. But I think I lean your way as well because, you know, people still say that Notre Dame backed out of the Michigan-Notre Dame deal, which isn't true. So, I don't know. They don't – yeah, they don't deserve to play Notre Dame. But it's all, it'd also be great in terms of recruiting to kick the shit out of Michigan. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, no, I'm with you guys. I, I'll, I'll take USC in this deal. Um it helps with recruiting. It's great. And, you know, you get to go to L.A. You know, these these kids are going to you know love that every two years. So, um, yeah. And and it, honestly, more than anything, it's pulling a reverse Uno card on Michigan. You want to blackball us from joining a conference? We'll blackball from allowing for you to play us to raise your profile. You pitiful, pathetic friggin regional school. All right. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> this is getting petty there. Last three here. Do you expect the Notre Dame Ohio State game to be low scoring defensive battle, or will this be a shootout? That is from Reggison 42. Mason, I'll let you go. I'd first. be surprised oh, if the point total isn't field. over 60. It'll be over 60. It, Notre Dame has a good defense. I think Ohio State's defense is fine, but Ohio State's going to score points, and Notre Dame's going to have to score points. So there, that's it. It'll be, I don't know. I'm projecting like a 37, 30, 42, 35, something like that. To me, it's the same as the, the the playoff game with Alabama. If you can hold them under 35, you can win the game. Just good luck doing that. And you got to score is the can only I, thing. And, and that's what can happen. Can I put some matter up here? Uh, Ohio State will be my first game in my new uh, basement that I've masterfully created. Um, not to pat myself on the back. If it's 35... 34, let's say, with time running down, and they drop Blake Goopy onto the field, and he hits the game-winning field goal. I'm going to need a new ceiling because I will jump straight through it. That's of all. course, there had to be something coming back to our special teams guys uh, with your uh, answer. Um, yeah, I 
It's it's the actually the answer is neither because this game is going to end Notre Dame thirty one points and and Ohio State thirteen so that's uh, it's not actually high uh, like a shootout and it's not a really defensive battle for for either so bro I think you're crazy if Notre Dame's holding Ohio State to thirteen we'll, points we'll and I love our defense we'll, we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks last period, okay okay uh, what remaining quarterback recruit has the most upside Minchie for me. In, in in any cycle, sure. They didn't define it. Car. Yeah. To, to me, car. I think car can be a first round talent. Yeah, I agree. I I was just thinking of of realistic targets for twenty three, like Novasad, Minchi. I'll even throw in Vizina and Arnold there too. I actually think Minchi's got the highest ceiling of all of them. Um, Dante Moore would be my answer, but that's that seems like the ship has sailed there. Dante's and... an NFL guy. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree with that. Final question. Uh, Abigail, it's Abby Be Happy. Uh, we don't know where to find Shamrock Series tickets for under $200 a piece. Go to Vegas, bet on red, hope for the best. Uh, final question. In the NIL era, do you ever see Notre Dame ever putting names on the back of their jerseys and offering a percentage of jersey sales to players? That's Jamblemeister69. Uh, personally, no. Bowl game, yes. Uh, you can do it with the numbers. Uh, offense, defense, they do share the numbers, so that does get confusing a little bit. Uh, but like Braden Lindsay, I wear I see someone in a zero jersey wearing blue and gold. Chances are I know who they're talking about. Uh, you know, I, I see someone wearing uh, you know, a 99. I, I know that's Blake Ruby. Uh, so with that, or or um Alexander, do, I, do you I do you only know two numbers and them being Braden Lindsay and a special teamer that just came into the program? Yes, uh, that's exactly number twelve, you asshole. So uh, I know three <laughs> numbers. Uh, Chris, Ty- Chris Tyree's number twenty-five. Alter Estimate number seven. Um, so yeah, I do know more more numbers than that. I'm just going off the top. But ideally, no Notre Dame never goes back to the the names on the back of the jersey. That's that's my answer there. I think it's a possibility. I don't know about the jersey sales and everything, but I could see Freeman doing it. I think the guys would probably be for it. Uh, you know, just younger guys wanting it. I don't know if it would get passed through Notre Dame. If I had to vote, I would say that it doesn't happen, but I do think Freeman would like it. I think um, a portion of the jersey sales with or without the name would be very interesting. Like if you get, if your number's bought so many times, but the problem is that would cycle through every year. Um, Look, I'm, we're four athletes getting a cut of their hard work. Um, if that's the way college football goes, um, then I'm sure Notre Dame would join. It's just I think I'm with Mason. It's just a little too early to to say one way or the other. It, it, it's hard to tell. But I also never thought Notre Dame would play an FCS school. And within like three months of Marcus Freeman being head coach, we've got one on the schedule. So, you know, time for some new traditions and hopefully preserve some old ones. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, Notre Dame was never going to have field turf until they got it. They were never going to have a jumbotron. They were never going to add on to the stadium. They were never going to do a lot of things until they did it. And uh, it's just kind of the march of time, which is inevitable. Um, I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I'm very, very, very pro-traditional and, and you know, keeping in line with, uh, with how things have been done, done historically and keeping uh, – holding hands with the past in a manner of speaking, basically having, having that connection. But on the flip side of that, you have to be relevant and, uh, and you have to be modern and you have to adapt. So do I see this happening? 
no idea whether it would or wouldn't, but if it did happen, honestly, this is, this is not something I would throw a fit over. I, I would, I would be okay with the last names, uh, on, on the back of jerseys because, Hey, you know what? Times change. We've changed our uniforms. What? Three times in the last 15, 16, you know, 20 years or so. So it's things happen. You, you update. So that's my I get, stance. I got a hit a quick hitter based on that one. End zone paint. Yes or no? The stripes. No. Steve, come on. Come on, Steve. Come to the light. I think I'd be okay with end zone paint. We used to have it. It wasn't always the stripes. Watch the 70s. They have like some Notre shamrocks, the right? Back. They had shamrocks on the right and left. Yeah, 100%. so it, it's there is there is precedent for it. I'd be okay with uh, with with end zone. 50-50. I feel like that's I would how the need to see what it looked like first. I'm, I trust yeah. that they would do They're it right. Do it, do it right. Yeah, assuming you they do. It's like green jerseys. If they do it right, sure. If I have to see this Under Armour blue and green crap, no way. Although I'd, right. I'm still kind of excited for it. <laughs> Those are our final questions of the uh, of the evening here. Uh, so I have one last quick hitter, uh, and then we'll be on our way. The Shamrock series reveal happened. Uh, Vegas, people like it, people hate it. It is a white jersey, gold all around. Uh, I believe there's a black piping around the numbers. Um, just real quick, love it or hate it? Don't go. Do you love or hate the Shamrock Series jerseys? I love it for a Shamrock Series jersey. I think there's still too much going on because I'm pretty traditionalist in my jersey. But uh, I like it. I love the video. Um, I'm not switching it for our regulars. But for a Shamrock Series um, that are usually putrid awful, um, I quite like this one. Mason. I love it. I, other than the black outline or blue outline, whatever it is on the numbers, I love it. Uh, I'm a big fan of the white jerseys. I like the gold trim. Um, wish there wasn't an outline, but I guess that's so you can see the numbers easier. So I get it. Steve. Yeah, no, I love it. Favorite uh, Shamrock series one ever. And uh, it would be a, a cool alternate. And I agree. Uh, it reminded me of the rush for gold Jersey a little bit. I would like a little bit more gold. Uh, somewhere in there, but uh, that, that's the only complaint I have. I hope they wear gold Under Armour cleats as well, or, or all white. It has, has to be one or the other. It can be black or blue hmm. or green. It has to be gold or white with the bottom being the reverse of the white and gold. Uh, so that is what I'll we have. will be at that game, by the way. Oh. Damn. How so? Like media, or you just bought tickets? Um, Nathan, actually, my podcast partner, lives out in Vegas, has some connections, so pretty feel pretty fortunate. That's awesome. I get to do a scenic Syracuse in New York for my game. Uh, so, Mason, thank you for, for hopping on today. Uh, Want to plug your podcast one more time, where we can find you on Twitter? Yeah, the Golden Homers podcast, we're back and uh, we're back and recording again, so been a long layoff, but then on Twitter, Mason Plummer underscore. A lot of Notre Dame propaganda. I don't get in as many wars as these guys, but uh, I think I might want to join. It sounds like a good time. We're fighting the good fight, you know? <laughs> All right. Well, they, uh, thanks so much for joining us, uh, Mason. Appreciate it. Everyone, make sure to, to subscribe to his podcast and listen and rate five stars and review for him. Please do the same for us. Uh, I mean, this was was awesome, and, and maybe we uh, we swing back around at uh, sometime around uh, – what's well, a signing day in December and, uh, and we'll kind of just take it one step at a time and, and we'll hope for the best. Don't re don't tweet at recruits. It's creepy. It's weird. You're not going to convince them. Uh, if they've already committed, then you can say congratulations. That's the exception. Okay. But that's, uh, that's my sign off. Thank you to everyone for listening and we're ready for another awesome year and we appreciate all the love and support.
Dylan, I'll let you get the last Come on whenever. I appreciate you guys. Notre Dame practice kicks off this weekend. We'll be on three more uh, podcasts before the Ohio State game, hopefully. Uh, so be on the lookout for more stuff there. Follow us on Twitter, at HorsemanPod. If you're listening to this and you already follow us, thank you. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Uh, go Irish. Don't tweet at recruits. Dylan. All good, man. Thanks, uh, thanks, Mason, for coming on. Really excited to get some recruiting insight. And uh, it was great to do it again with you boys. So listeners at home, we've got four scheduled podcasts this month. That has to be the busiest we've ever been in the month of August. Usually Steve's golfing. Uh, but uh, no, we're going we're gonna to get it good there. I had to get one Steve, Steve jab in, of course. Um, but, you know, thanks for all the support. Go Irish. Beat the mouth breathers.